Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Last week... We asked if the Ravens could take care of business on the road. They could not. This week on Pod Like a Raven. Oh boy. Uh, Ravens losing on the road on a Saturday. I am Antonio Barbera. A lot to talk about, uh, a lot of things to be upset about, and the way that I'm going to frame it uh, is thus. On Saturday, the Vikings had one of the, I should say, the greatest regular season NFL comeback of all time, coming back from 33 down to beat the Colts in overtime. That same night on Saturday, the Bills and the Dolphins played to a pulse-pounding 32-29 game that the Bills ended up taking care of at home. On Sunday morning, we had maybe the greatest soccer game in, in the history of the beautiful game. We followed that up with a day of unbelievable games. Close games, comebacks, game winning field goals, action, overtime, touchdowns. And then in between all of this amazing sport, we had to put up with the Ravens scoring three points and losing to a bad Browns team by ten. So that's where we're at, and I'm going to bring in my co-hosts, starting on the West Coast, Jace Evans. In this economy, in this sports economy, Jace, we have to have the 13-3 game in between everything else that was so good and pure and exciting and fun. Yeah, why? It, it's a great question. Why, Antonio? Well, I think why is the coaching staff, and we'll get more into them uh, in a little bit. But yeah, this was like maybe the best weekend I think of the entire NFL season. Like you said, both other games on Saturday were fantastic, and the spilled over into Sunday. Even the Sunday night game was great, which isn't always the case. It was crazy, and yeah, the Ravens play the lowest scoring game. They score the fewest amount of points in Week 15. 
they're all the only of their only one other game had a bigger point differential than the Ravens. They were one of three games that uh, were not a single possession game. The other being a pointless Cardinals Broncos game, but even that game had more points than the game we watched. And the other, of course, uh, directly impacted the Ravens. The largest spread of the weekend was the Buccaneers' complete collapse against our division rival Bengals, which now put us in second place. So I was very conflicted, Antonio, because on the one hand, I was extremely annoyed by what the Ravens did, and then by what the Bengals did, more specifically by what the Buccaneers did to aid what the Bengals did. But I was extremely annoyed by those two things, but then elated by the rest of the, the time in the NFL. And I just wish that our team played an enjoyable game is that too much to ask uh, do it, it, is the really the worst three hours of my nfl watching experience this week watching my favorite team that seems unfair so i'm conflicted i'm in a weird emotional place i feel like last week was a random spike beating the steelers and happiness of what has been a a slowly flatlining season for me and i i'm not gonna say i'm not worried about these final three games i think they could go badly but uh yeah i'm just i'm just in a weird place emotionally they're kind of all over the place the least fun season continues wasn't a wasn't a fun defensive battle it was just an ugly 13 to 3 game on the east coast tim horsey we had a week of of joy so therefore we needed an exact counterbalance of boredom and sadness how you doing uh over in the uh ellicott city area yeah, um, I I don't know because pre pre show we're on this call here and I was just you know we were working ourselves up talking about some of the things that coaches have been saying and what have you. Oddly, I'm kind of okay because I've realized and realized a long time ago I think that the season is over um, <laughs> and nothing matters. And also, optimistically, which is a weird feeling for me, the weekend was so good outside of the Ravens game. You know, the the best soccer game of all time, I think. Just an absolutely incredible game. Helped that I won some money on it, obviously. That that, that never hurts, I would say. But that and, and a nice weekend of football that I didn't care about. Like, frankly, I went out and did Christmas shopping things and just kind of kept tabs on it, which, you know, you'd be like, oh, man, you missed out on all this stuff. Well, no, nah, nah, I, I kept up enough. I saw the Mac Jones play. Don't worry. We could just talk about that for, for, for three hours here, and I would be fine with that. And I think the fact I was at a family Christmas party during this Ravens game, so I wasn't in my normal, like, you know, bunker hole, like screaming and, and pissing blood and vinegar at every little thing that happened. So I was kind of just like, oh, it ended. I'm going to go have another beer and, you know, eat just – just my weight in 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 roast so overall i'm like okay um but yeah now that we're gonna get into it i'm gonna get upset and i'm not you know i am looking forward to talking to you guys i'm not looking forward to the anger that is about to ensue a lot of things to talk about in this game and also not a lot of things to talk about we'll try to sprinkle in some positives they're mostly on the defensive side so let's start offensively and that is Tyler Huntley reminding us, I suppose, again for a second year in a row of what it is like playing multiple games with a backup quarterback. A backup is inherently limited. Their flaws get exposed very quickly. If you see them finish out one game, 
they do some things that are frisky and, and they play maybe a little bit differently. They don't have the negatives that your starter has. And then you have to deal with that same player week in, week out. And you realize there's a reason that they are a backup quarterback in the NFL. And we saw all of that from Huntley in this game. Looked confused. The decision-making was poor. Held on to the ball too long at times. Took some sacks that should never have happened. The interception is one that we will we will get into. But before we do specific plays here, overall impressions with, uh, with Huntley's performance. Uh, just quickly here. Do you remember when we had the conversation in preseason and even last season of like, would you take a second round pick for Tyler Huntley? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Um, <laughs> the guy is great that he can run this offense that shouldn't even be this offense anymore. Like hopefully this offense is, you know, going the way of the Dodo sooner rather than later. Although John Harbaugh's defiant that I love my guys. Yeah, you and nobody else, Johnny. Um, I, I think it's just – in, in in the same way that Lamar not being available for a full season is hurting his negotiation, I think, the way Huntley is playing is helping him. Um, in that there, there is, and all of it was hot takey anyway, and we know this, but there is no doubt that Tyler Huntley is nothing more than a, is that one guy there? Oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, quarterback, and it's not good enough uh, to win games in the National Football League. Yeah, he just can't push the ball down the field in any meaningful way, and I, you know, that's always reflected. He always posts a fairly decent completion percentage, but you gotta, you gotta pop the hood a little bit because he's seventeen for thirty for all of one hundred and thirty-eight yards. He's averaging four point six yards a throw. Like Jace, I, th- I think thirteen of those yards came on one of those little, like gl- it's a like, glorified handoff, but because the ball goes forwards, it was <laughs> yeah, the so third and thirteen. He pitches to, to Justice yeah. Hill, who does all the that's work. That's thirteen of the yards that he had were on that play. Yeah, and it's not a not a good stat line. Yeah, Sorry, so, keep keep going. So, yeah, I mean, you just pretty much, uh, not to complicate things, you're not going to win in the NFL uh, when your quarterback throws for 138 yards, uh, unless you rush for, like, I was going to say 250 yards. They could have done that if they rushed more, I think, (laughs) is probably the biggest talking point out of this game. But, yeah, uh, on the Huntley front, just kind of put a bow on it. He's a backup. You know, I think he's a good player. I I like him personally. Uh, he's certainly tried his best out there, but you know, yeah, you're, you're not, you're, you're, you're a five to six win outfit at best. I think if Tyler Huntley's your starting option and, uh, you know, there's no shame of that. It's hard being a quarterback in the NFL, but yeah, he just can't, he can't push the ball down the field. He's just not dynamic enough. And I think especially when you, you play teams, teams like the Browns who have played Tyler Huntley before um, last season, he came in in relief of Lamar, like, yeah, they they can just key on what he can do, which is, you know, take the short stuff and generally be accurate with it on shorter stuff. And uh, that's it. Yeah, the ball can't go down the field, and you can't win uh, without doing that in the NFL these days. I'm going to bring up a few points that I think are the correct entry point for what should be the bigger conversation here about the offense's performance. The red zone play was abysmal. Again, doesn't matter seemingly who the players are, who the starters are. Cannot get touchdowns inside of the 20-yard line. They had the fourth and one, I should say the third and one, and then the fourth and one, or maybe it was third and two that then became fourth and one. That doesn't work. Again, uh, I'll ask you guys in parentheses, should they have just taken the field goal there based on the situation, based on watching this team and this offense over the past few weeks in a game that was going to be close? 
just try to get three points, take a lead, and, and tack on as many as you can as the game progresses. But including that drive that stalled out uh, inside the 10-yard line, a few possessions later, I think they, the Ravens tack a field goal on, uh, the possession after that, or a few possessions later. Then toward the end of the first half, the Ravens would run 23 straight offensive plays and score zero points. They had a long drive before half that led to a missed field goal. They then uh, had the ball to start the second half and had another extremely long drive that made it inside the red zone, and that also led to zero points after an interception that I want to speak on briefly here. Third and ten. It's a slant. It's a five-yard slant because that's what you should be running on third and ten. Huntley throws. I I think it was an okay ball. At first, I wanted to say that it was poor ball placement, but it kind of looks like it hits Deshaun Jackson almost simultaneous to the contact. It reminded me of the uh, the Pats uh, Seahawks goal line Super Bowl play where Deshaun Jackson at contact just bounces away from the ball because he's 150 pounds and 36 years old at this point in his career, so he wasn't gonna win that ball. But aside from that, throwing a five-yard slant when you need 10 yards for a first down is also comical, as opposed to just running it on third and ten. If that's the play, just run it on third and ten and take your three free points. No points from that. The Ravens would then fumble on their next possession, have a field goal blocked, (laughs) have a field goal blocked on their next possession, and then have two back-to-back turnover on downs for a grand total. Of three points, very few yards, zero touchdowns. I turn to my co-host. What's the problem with the Ravens' offense? I I think it's a twofold problem that folds into one overarching problem with this team. And I will start with the weapons. You mentioned the guy on the um, you know receiving end of what probably should have been a catch, but wasn't. Is Deshaun Jackson. The man who fumbles uh, while diving to avoid contact on uh, once it's 13 to 3, fumbles to avoid contact. The game's already over at this point anyway, but it's really over after he does this. Is Demarcus Robinson, who is effectively your wide receiver one. And that's where I think the problems start, is this team is just devoid of any weapons, which certainly doesn't help when you already have a quarterback that can't push the ball. No one can make a play outside of this entire offense. I think Andrews is still hurt. He hasn't been great in, I feel like, several weeks, too. But, uh, yeah, I think He's it's... He's been bad, Chase, <laughs> by the way. He's been bad. I I think it starts, like, just... Th- that DeMarcus Robinson play was so emblematic of me. I'm like, A, the fact that he's wide receiver one is embarrassing. He's diving to avoid contact and still fumbles. It's just it's like a shit, like a bunch of errors. And so I think it's a weapons problem, which I don't know how you solve. Because the Ravens are in this problem because they can't draft and develop wide receivers. So, like, in theory, they need to draft a receiver, but they can't do that. They'll never get a free agent here because of the offense uh, and because they don't want to pay top dollars. But to circle back because of the offense, that's the other thing. It's a Greg Roman problem. We've been harping on this all season. Uh, And ultimately, it's a John Harbaugh problem that it's a Greg Roman problem. But it's just making the game, I think, more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, you mentioned that, like... I mean, on the first one, I didn't hate going for it on fourth down. 
like it's a bad look that Patrick Ricard gets a 300 pound man gets stoned by John Johnson, who he weighs at least 50 pounds, if not a hundred pounds more than that's not great. But, um, you know, what bothered me about that play is it would just, it just, everything with the Ravens do is just so tired. And I think it's just time for change. Like a, they've run that Ricard play numerous times now on fourth down teams aren't, like, surprised by it. But B, it's also getting too cute in critical moments. A problem we've seen extending as far back as that playoff loss to the Titans when they kept failing on fourth downs. It's fine to be aggressive and go for it if you have a good play, but they decide to not run their best plays in big moments. They run a jet sweep for Devin Duvernay on third and eight at one point in this game. It's just, like, nothing they do, (laughs) like, and I think that Jackson pick is just such a good... It's like, why do that? Just run a draw, kick your field goal. The Browns can't score in this game. Deshaun Watson looks terrible. The Browns' offense is not good. Nick Chubb doesn't even have 100 yards, and most of his yards came late when the defense was probably, like, worn out. So the Browns can't do anything. You know, I I was conflicted whether they should kick that first field goal. I was fine they went for it, but then they run a bad play, and that's Greg Roman problem. And, yeah, it's just complicating it and – like abandoning the run when like J.K. Dobbins, another hundred yard game. Gus Edwards, I thought looked great. This game was there for the taking, and they just they just panic and they get away from their game plan. And it's things we've seen for years on end now. And I think we've talked about you know what five six different weeks this season. And I don't know. I like this team's gonna make the playoffs. We'll talk about this based on the events that happen in the NFL <laughs> elsewhere. But it is just so, such a tired watch, and that's how you get three points. Jordan Stout punted once in this game, and they score three points. That seems impossible oh my, to do, oh and yet here God. we are. I can't. I, I didn't even know that. <laughs> that when you that, I don't, I don't want to rehash a bunch of what Jay said because he he puts it so well, and he's right. I mean, the the play calling is at the point where we can predict it. And, like, even though we watch this team week in and week out, I'm too stupid to predict NFL plays. I shouldn't be able to do that. And it happens all the time because Greg Roman just feels like, yeah, he's some run whiz, but then it's all the predictable crap that you see every single time. Like, the jet sweep was cool for some teams, like, three years ago, so now he runs it four times a game with Devin Duvernay and it worked like in week four. So he's just going to keep doing it. And it hasn't worked in a long time. Um, You know, like even the Mark Andrews under center stuff, that was a very cool Kelsey thing three years ago with the chiefs. And now no neck is adopting it. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, And, you know, I want to do a little Roman before I get to, to another point. Cause I don't think it's all on him as much as, he has become the punching bag, and, and deservedly so, you know, for me anyway. Um, the team averaged 7.1 yards on the ground against a Cleveland Browns defense that was terrible at stopping the run. The, the one that we knew they were terrible at stopping the run. And even if you're down a couple couple scores, just run the ball. It's fine. Maybe use a little bit of pace so the clock doesn't tick down as much. And you, you keep moving. yards per run. They averaged 4.6 yards per pass. They ran the ball 28 times. They passed the ball 30 times. I don't have to tell you how stupid that is. You are dominating this team on the ground. I don't care that you're down two scores. Just run the damn ball. Like, as every old school football guy says, 28 carries, 198 yards, 30 pass attempts for 126 yards. 
And what Greg Roman does is he gets too cute and he panics. It was the Titans game all over again. They went down 10 early in that Titans game and everybody, and we've talked about this a number of times, everybody panicked and he panics with the play calling and it just turns into, it's it's a, a little snowball that just gets bigger and bigger rolling down the hill until it's insurmountable and, and, and it's a lot your own doing. All of that being said, this is an organizational problem with this team. Um, I I said multiple times in the multiple shows that we did uh, over over the summer that you know what you're not giving our weapons enough credit. Uh, people need to shut up about the weapons. Mark Andrews is essentially a receiver. They're going to use Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah Likely in a lot of passing plays. I think Devin Duvarney is going to be better than people think. Yada yada yada. Rashad Bateman. This is going to be his coming out party. They essentially relied on Rashad Bateman to be their A.J. Brown. To be their, you know, it's a different style of play, but their Tyreek Hill. You know what some competitors went out and did this season? They invested in the position where the league is going. And the Ravens think they're smarter than everybody, and they're just going to zag, even with a quarterback who we know can throw the ball. Like, I... This narrative that, oh, they built this super unique offense for Lamar Jackson, and that is what the reason he succeeds. Maybe at the start, but we know this guy can run a, a spread-style offense that you incorporate some really good running elements into, and you use him in that. The Ravens refused, and they tried to go the other way, and we have seen some of this in the NFL. Like We've seen, and there, there's you can read, you know... I go to like Ben Solak and like and football nerds, and I use that term in the most complimentary way possible about how the running game is becoming a more prominent thing because these defenses are getting lighter and faster to deal with all these passing games, and that's fine, but it's not like the Ravens were ahead of the curve in anything. In anything, instead they've completely stagnated, and this thing that was quote unquote revolutionary a couple seasons ago. Well, look, they're just going to run the ball. They don't need receivers. In a way all of the trolls and all of the hot take artists were right. You cannot be fielding Demarcus Robinson and Deshaun Jackson and expect to win football games when you refuse to run the football when that's the only thing that you have. Like, if it's the only thing you have and you keep doing it, if they ran the ball 45 times in this game and lost by three, yeah, I'd be pissed off. And But it would be more of a conversation of, well, they don't have the weapons. They knew what they had. They knew how to expose the team in front of them, and yet they decided not to, and they could just go, oh, we still trust our guys. You know, we're really injured, what have you. It's, it's the cyclical nature of failure in this situation is the thing that drives me absolutely insane because it's the Albert Einstein quote, you know? If you keep doing everything, if you keep doing it over and over again expecting the same results, that's insanity, and that's what this is at this point. And to circle back all the way on Roman... We have finally gotten to a point where it ain't just fans. It ain't just media. It's people going up to the facility and on pieces of paper putting fire Greg Roman and sprinkling it out of the facility. This is commander's level crap. This is stuff that happens to the Browns that we make fun of. This is happening to the Baltimore Ravens now. And we have reached an impasse. And Harbaugh's going to protect his buddy. He did so in the Monday press conference. And whatever, that's fine. But it's not fine. We have gotten to a, a breaking point here. And everybody, everybody, and I would assume some people in the organization too, sees the writing on the wall 
and they refuse to look at it. They're turning the other way, and it's going to completely slow down this franchise to a point where it might, this might not just be this season thing. You know, there might be seismic changes, some that we've mentioned plenty of times in this podcast that we don't want to talk about coming in the offseason because of how bad it's gotten. And we're in a really, really bad spot, and it looks like the leadership from, from Eric DaCosta on down, Hell, even Bashadi, although credit to him, he usually lets the football people make the football decisions. But we'll lump him in here, too. He pays everybody. Has gotten to a point that I don't know if we can trust them to make the right decision anymore. Yeah, there was a lot of first takey, and it not first takey, first take stuff on, uh, and some of the other shows that I don't know what they're even called, where it was... And they all did it at the same time, seemingly. It was a, have we respected the Ravens organization too much for too long where we just bow to every decision they make uh, and we don't question things that they do? And I got kind of annoyed by it because the point of the argument was they didn't invest in the position of need and they're making their superstar quarterback look bad and play poorly because he's not supported with any skill position players without addressing the fact that they've invested first-round picks in wide receivers multiple years. But the mistake has been, and I'm I'm saying some of the same things, I'm trying to add a little bit to to Tim's point here, they did invest the first-round draft pick in a wide receiver with Rashad Bateman, but then immediately, like, uninvested, (laughs) when you trade away the only semi-competent receiver that you had on the team in Hollywood Brown... And then don't replace it. You did like a one-for-one swap. Hollywood Brown gone after one year of Rashad Bateman and then expecting this one-for-one swap to play better than the situation you had before when all you had seen from him at this point was an injury-plagued rookie season with flashes of ability. You needed them both here for one year. To see if Rashad Bateman could play a full season of of NFL, you know, receiver one caliber play, and if he was going to be able to sustain that. And until you saw it, you needed somebody else in the building. I like the fact that they traded Hollywood Brown and got a first round draft pick. That part of it makes sense. What doesn't make sense is just thinking that a, a one for one swap was going to be enough to make the offense better, as opposed to have it stay the same, or what has actually happened, make it get worse. And that part of it is frustrating because you end up with the Deshaun Jacksons as signings instead of second round draft picks, third round, you know, higher draft picks, or trading for proven guys in the NFL. And Demarcus Robinson is not even at that level of proven guys. He's a, like, off the scrap heap guy who was cut type player. So it's frustrating. And there's no real solution for it this year at all, uh, except, oh, wait, I was saving this for the NFL section, but now's the time. Guys, big news, Sammy Watkins available, released <laughs> by Green Bay. So I take it back. The answer is, the answer is right there for us. Uh, we can have Sammy back in Baltimore for two catches for 13 yards. But, yeah, it's frustrating, and it's it's frustrating to see it when it becomes so glaring in a game where you needed so little offense and even though you rushed for 200 yards on 28 carries, you couldn't get the two or three 
receptions, the two catches with a bunch of yards after after the catch to turn, you know, a Huntley four-yard pass into a 30-yard gain. None of that's there, and it's been it's been not fun. <laughs> it's been not fun, and uh, and it's not getting fixed, frankly, anytime soon. Well, yeah, I think it's one of those things too. Sorry, Jace. It's just look. There's a lot of there's a lot of you know Roman out, and I think a, pretty much all of it is justified at this point. But this is a systematic failure by the Baltimore Ravens, and I think that's something that needs to be recognized too. We we. We sat here, you know, and they got a – Tyler Linderbaum is great. I, I defend the Hollywood Brown trade 11 times out of 10. Guy that you're not going to bring back. You're not going to pay him the money, and he's getting near the end of the deal, whatever. You get the first-round pick. You fleece the Cardinals, and you get, God willing, the center for the next 10 years. But then Antonio also makes the salient point. You can't just have Bateman as the guy, and that's it. You need to. You needed more talent on the outside, and you can sit here and argue with me that oh, this is oh well, this has been the worst case scenario. Bateman out, Andrews hurt, struggling or But they didn't set themselves up to protect themselves from this, and this was always going to happen with this Baltimore Ravens team. Bateman hasn't proved that he could stay healthy. Lamar Jackson hasn't proved that he could stay healthy. Although you know, not, I guess we're not really talking about the quarterback here, but. That you can't just go, oh, bad luck, move on. Like, this needs to change. And if you continue to deflect and ignore it, then we're sitting in the cesspool of mediocrity that we mention all the time with, like, the dark ages of the Ravens. And it and it's coming faster than you think. I 100% agree with everything you guys are saying in regards to wide receiver stuff. And I will say, Tim, you hit on it, obviously. What was frustrating about this game was that and has been frustrating is that they do get away from like the one thing they do well. Greg Roman is legitimately great at scheming up the run and the backs are health. Well, I won't even say healthy. JK Dobbins is clearly not a hundred percent. Can't can, run. Yeah. He can't bust a play because he like doesn't have that second, but gear. he gets 125 yards on the ground on 13 carries in two straight games too, over a hundred yards. And so like, it's just that not commit, like just go all in. Like I agree. The, the wide receiver thing needs to be fixed in a major way in the in this upcoming offseason. You either got to finally trade for a guy, you got to admit that everything you said. But in this specific game, it's like, just go all the way in. Just run it 50 times. You're starting the game with a backup quarterback. It wasn't like Lamar got hurt and you had to suddenly adjust. We knew he wasn't going to be there. We knew what they did last week against the Steelers when they did run it, what, 40 some time, 42 times. For over 200 yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And just to not do it again against the Browns defense that is basically just as bad as what the Steelers are against the run, if not worse. Uh, it was just very frustrating. And so I agree with all those points. And I think what compounds this, and just to kind of spin to the one good thing, it's all coming at a time when we are watching the best defense <laughs> that they have had since Lamar got here. And that's just really frustrating that, like, we can't score 10 points a game. We're averaging, what, 11 points a game since the bye? So, like, 12, 13? We had all of 27 against the the Jaguars, a game we lost. Otherwise, they haven't cracked 20 points since the bye week. Uh, and, and you're just wasting this defense. Who, Yeah, I thought they were really good. They limited Deshaun Watson. They just, like, you know, they give up 13 points on the road in a game where their offense does nothing to help them. I can't, like, 
there's always plays you want back, but they've been playing so well, and the fact that this team now just, like, can't score all of a sudden. The offense has plummeted. You know, they were easily, I think, in the top five for the first several weeks of the season. They're down to 16th in points and 16th in yards per game, and it's all on the strength for the first half of the season. So, I don't know. It's just very frustrating that they're there while the defense has gotten its act together to a point where it's now a top 10 unit in every category. <laughs> yeah, and they even defensively did a good job on the short fields that they were given after the Ravens did all their dumb stuff offensively. I, I can't, I mean, agreeing is an understatement. It's so frustrating. It's a Super Bowl defense. It is a Super Bowl caliber defense at this point, even with the issues that they have on the outside. They have so much depth on the line, they have so much depth out uh, on the outside linebackers s- somehow. Inside linebackers, we don't even need to talk about that. Safety is all of a sudden looks, everything is good. They have maybe, you know, they get caught a couple of times in, in pass coverage, which every NFL team does on occasion, and everything else has been great defensively, and it's not coming in games where the offense can't, offense can't score. Special teams, uh, it feels right that we lost... Uh, the game where Tucker had two misses, um, I want to, I don't know, be upset, I guess. I want to get annoyed that he didn't make the the first kick and then that he kicked the second one too low or whatever. You, I mean, what are you going to say? But if you watch Cleveland's kicker in that game, his were even worse. So, I don't know. They kept talking about the wind and the conditions. I'm going to assume that's the bigger answer to it than just Tucker having like a distracted game or whatever. But he did the whole like speech in the locker room with the players after like, this is on me. How many kickers in the NFL have, first of all, like the, I don't know, locker room standing to be able to even have that conversation with players. I feel like 30 out of 32 teams would be like, shut up. Like, who are you? We don't even know who you are. So that says something, I guess, about, about Tucker's, uh, relationship with the players and the teams it was nice he said all the right things i'm gonna i'm gonna end up chalking it to the conditions and try to feel better about myself but of course we needed we needed special teams with a backup qb they delivered the last couple of weeks we did not have it in this game yeah i mean it would have been nice you know to just put a little more two two more field goals and now you're looking at 13 to 9 you know maybe the browns get tight but would have been nice to have my my take on tucker you know well you mentioned too cade york uh, he also missed a field goal left by about 50 yards when he was kicking from 38. Tucker's miss comes from 48. He barely misses. <laughs> it just goes left. Uh, and then the block, he's kicking. It's a 50-yard field goal that gets blocked. So, like, you know, it's surprising. But for me, I just I, – I, my take is just, like, he's so great. Like, his greatness is just so overwhelming all the other time. When he has a game – that's just like every other kicker in the league. Uh, you know, Harrison Butker misses multiple kicks in Kansas City on Sunday. He's viewed as one of the better uh, field goal kickers in the league. Like when Tucker misses, it's like so extraordinary that it seems like the world's ending. But, you know, I, can we complain? This was literally his first like I, I, at least regular season game where he I think he missed a few in Buffalo in the playoffs a few years ago. But this was his first uh, regular season game with two misses since 2018. So like. It's been four years since he missed two field goals in a game. I could, I could, I could give him a little slack with you know what also looked to be a bad weather night. Yeah, I just um, you guys said everything on special teams. I want to circle back to the defense a little bit before we move on because Jace did mention, and and I think he is uh, 
mostly accurate. I mean, not bar none. This is the best defense Lamar has ever had. Um, but I think there are concerns. I think Kyle Hamilton got picked on a little bit because he had to play a position that he doesn't always want to play. He was playing in the slot a lot because there's only really two corners that the Ravens trust right now in Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. Marcus Peters went out injured in this game. Weird. The Ravens and cornerback issues. It's like it's like every year they could load up. They could have twelve All Pros, and eleven of them would get hurt with season-ending injuries by week four. Like it just always happens. It seems like. So I think the passing defense can be a, a you know kind of worrisome a little bit. Uh, you know, it, it's a small thing to nitpick, especially with all the the crap that we've just been talking about with the offense. Um, I think Calais Campbell. I, I, did he come out in this he game did. as well? He got, yeah, he got yeah, he got dinged up. We don't know the status as of yet, I believe, unless if one of you did see something. So Jeremy and, Fowler reported he, quote, could miss some time. But that was the extent okay. of what I saw on that. So who knows what that means. And the same thing, Peters was described by Ian Rappaport as a mild calf strain, even though he looked like he could barely walk. And uh, Rappaport said he would also, quote, likely was likely to miss some time. Who knows what that means in terms of Ravens parlance? Yeah, that means they're going to be out for 2024 as well. (laughs) Uh, But so I just – Campbell missing is such a big problem with that defensive line. That defensive line has been so, so good, and he's been the biggest part of it. And so, I like, let's wait and see on that, especially coming up against an Atlanta Falcons team that really knows how to run the ball. And obviously we'll talk about them later in the program as well. But it's just like the house is completely burning down where the one unit that's actually been reliable does have some real concerns that we need to keep our eye on. And we're not necessarily keeping our eye on because you know, the family room is completely engulfed (laughs) and like a a candle fell over in the kitchen and we need to watch the kitchen. We're not paying attention to the kitchen because the family room is basically turning into ash in front of us. So it's all tile in the kitchen, Tim. It'll be all right. No, no yeah, problems right. can sure, happen yeah. there. No, no, no. The paper towels definitely won't light on fire. No, we're fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, oh. man, I- I'm gonna say one more thing about this game, and then I, I almost want you guys to uh, to tear into me here because I I tend to take the optimist line, and I think I've been pretty. Pretty critical uh, so far in the first 20 minutes or so, but am I allowed to just chalk this game up to, or really this stretch of uh, frustration to a backup quarterback going 2-1 and one in three games? A bad loss was going to happen with a backup in this offense, especially in a division game on the road, and we can just hope Lamar comes back as scheduled this week or should be this week and they win the next two games against two bad football teams in the Falcons and Steelers and set up a potential winner take all week 18 game against the Bengals if Cincinnati loses their uh they play the Bills in in two weeks that I think is going to be a tough game for them even in this stupid game if three plays go differently they win this one too if they get the fourth and one and score a touchdown, and it's 7 nothing. do I think that alone means the Ravens win this game? Poss- possibly. That's how dumb these games are. That's how close they've been. Am I allowed to just say, let's calm down? It was a backup quarterback for three-game stretch, and we won two of them, and we had two division games, both of them on the road. They split those. Or do I just have to, like, rage tweet that 
everything is horrible and I can never be joyous again and this team's never going to win another football game, even though they're 9-5, and five, a half game out of first in the North, and every team loses game. Like, this, no team is undefeated. Nobody thinks the Eagles are even going to win the Super Bowl, even though they only have one loss all season. Like, they're not even really the favorite. Can we just, t- like, take a breath? And it'll be okay, especially if we get our starting quarterback, who in theory had a minor injury, come back into the lineup and and, and sort of get things right here. Even as a noted pessimist, I would almost always say, yes, you could take that that approach, but no, you cannot. Because (laughs) if if this result was an anomaly, then I would be more than fine with it. But and like people are like, oh, you guys Ravens fans, you guys have won so many games. Like, what did, you just lost? What is it? I can't even know. What, I don't even know what the streak is. But it's like one, lo- two losses in the last eight or something like that. Like they've been doing pretty well. But this is a systematic loss. It is not an anomaly, and we could all see this from a mile away. And you know, we all were coming off the high of the Steelers, and they were. You know what they did? They ran the football. They controlled the clock, and they didn't do it here. So, no. And th- for this one in particular, and maybe it's because we lost to the Browns, uh, and so I'm just feeling extra salty. Who knows? Uh, no, you cannot because this is a – this is not just a – oh, that was a weird – that was a weird, like, loss that they shouldn't have had. What the hell? That backup quarterback, what have you. That was a systematic failure on every single level from the Baltimore Ravens that's been coming. I kind of feel like I split the difference between you guys. Uh, I, I think, Antonio, you're allowed to feel that way, but I definitely lean more personally on the Tim side of things here just because, you know, th- this is continuing just a downward trend that started when Lamar was there. Out of the bye, they score 13 points against the Panthers. They managed 27 in a game they blow to the Jaguars, which is very annoying. But then since then, they've scored 10 points, 16 points, and 3 points. Like... That's not how, like, you're just literally not going to win NFL games here. It's just not been fun. You know, we talked about how this was the least fun game of the funnest week of the NFL season. Uh, And I think that what, it's just compounded by this is basically, I feel like in miniature, what we watched last season, which was just an upsetting collapse where we had all the same problems, and now it's one year later and all the same things are happening, just not quite as catastrophic. And I think to your point, the Ravens are probably going to make the playoffs this year. They're nine and five, uh, you know, thanks to what we'll talk about in a moment, the Patriots and Jets losses that were uh, various degrees of crazy. Uh, they, they basically have a two game lead with three to play on missing a spot. Right. Cause you know, the dolphins and the, um, the chargers are eight and six. They're game back of the Ravens. And then the Jets and Patriots are a game back of them, both at 7-7. Seven and seven. The Ravens are going to make the playoffs. Uh, but it's just been, the road to getting there has been just so frustrating. And I think just a rerun of last year in all the worst ways and just not fun. And I think that's, you know, you spend all this time watching these games. It should be fun. We want it to be fun. And it's just, it's just not. And uh, so I think that's why I, I, I think just... All the things we, we've seen. And, you know, and I think what weighs in on this is what we've touched on is the, the sense that the, the window to win a title with this team closed, maybe, uh, you know, in 2020. There's a sense of that, at least, with the way this offense has been playing. 
Now, could Lamar come back and they figure it out? And then there's a team nobody wants to face in the playoffs. I could see that happening with the way the defense has been playing. But it's just been a real frustrating slog uh, down the stretch. And that's why I, I, I'm kind of inclined to to lean on Tim's side of the fence in this uh, case. Thank you. Alrighty, that's it for the recap. Let's turn to game. Let's play some games, guys. Enough of the enough of the hard talk here. Let's just uh, do the random Raven and then Harbaugh quotes. And I'm up for both of them this week. And so I made them hard. I made them tricky. Uh, I made them annoying. So see, I'm not I'm not that nice, uh, optimistic Bambi just running in the meadow anymore. I'm just I'm jaded. I'm annoyed. I'm upset. And uh, and I put that into my into my games this week so this week here's the random raven oh boy this random raven only played one season in baltimore (laughs) and it wasn't even a full season oh boy this third round pick out of wake forest was originally drafted by the st louis rams that's right the st louis rams in 2012 and had a strong rookie season with 700 receiving yards and three touchdowns he would then have back-to-back mediocre years and four games let me make sure that's right. Yeah, four games into the 2015 season, he was traded to the Ravens for a 7th round pick. This random Raven would then play 12 games, starting 6 as a wide receiver for the 5 and 11 Ravens <laughs> team, catching 19 passes for 346 yards and one touchdown. Jesus. He wore before it was cool, he wore the number 13. And I'm stopping there. If we need a bonus clue, because I know there's not a lot here, it's 12 games in a Ravens uniform on a very forgettable Ravens roster. But you guys will both know the name once I say it. So we'll, maybe we'll let it marinate a little bit, and then if you guys want a bonus clue at the end, I will find one, because I, <laughs> I don't have one prepared. Yeah, uh, get, get one prepared. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, yeah, you know, with... If, if that whole stretch is the Dark Ages, 2015 uh, really might be the, the absolute, Ooh. the Mariana's Trench of that Dark Ages, the, the deepest point you could go. So that, that I, I have nothing at the moment. Yeah, and this this happened, <laughs> this happened to me because I came across Ravens at Browns highlights for that year in preparation for this Browns game that was coming. And that's the kick six game, the, the blocked field goal return for a mm-hmm. touchdown to to win the football game which is what i think was uh Tirico on the call for that game and this player was on the field and it was it was mixed into other wide receivers that i literally had never heard of or seen and i'm going to get into them when we do reveal the random raven the box score of the kick 6 game is truly incredible from the baltimore side of things uh <laughs> I know it started this, at QB that game, at least. <laughs> and this player was involved. And I'll read you. Just, this player, as at wide receiver, and I, I think he might have started in this game, uh, three targets, one reception, 48 yards. And that was how this player went. Anyway, that's the Random Raven. I'll try to come up with some sort of bonus clue for the end of the, end of the episode. But if you guys, if the listeners, if any of you get this, let us know. Um, because that would be an impressive pull. All right, time now for Harbaugh quotes. I have three quotes here. We will see which two my co-hosts think are real quotes and which one they think is a fake quote that I have written. 
Quote number one. <clears throat> We're together. We're a team. We're spending all of our time getting ready for the Atlanta Falcons with every ounce of energy and fiber we got. As Coach Belichick said, we're on to Atlanta. <clears throat> Quote number two. If that's if that's real, I'm quitting this podcast. <laughs> Quote number two. Uh, all the end of the bar conversation is for the people sitting at the end of the bar. We're going to work hard to do the best we can and give them something to celebrate come Saturday afternoon. That's our goal. Because we want it to be great. And we want our fans to be happy with it and be excited about it. But I also know this. Look around the league. It's December football. It's crazy. Did you watch the games? You did, right? It's crazy. It's like that every year. It's like that every week in this league. That's why it's the NFL. So it's not all going to be smooth sailing. There are going to be times you're going to have to go out there and have a bad day. We don't want them. That feels very real to me, but... That's a bit of a long one. <clears throat> and then quote number three. Nobody's more ticked off about it or can't sleep about it more than the coaches and the players. But the thing is, you got to pull yourself off the mat and go win the next game. And we don't have the luxury to wait until Saturday to go win it. we got to win it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday in our preparation, right? So that's what we're doing. End quote. Those are the three. Yeah, that feels real. Also, I'm gonna. I'm with Tim. I I would be shocked if he referenced another coach that wasn't involved in the game in reference. But similarly, if it is real, I'm very distraught. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, all of those make. I won't joke about it. All those make me very upset. And just like, does he think we're dumb? Like, does he does he think that we're all idiots? Can you not just once? Not speaking coach speak and say, guys, we effed up. Our bad. A little bit of just just a glimmer. Open the door. Open the lock and open the door just a little bit and let us see the light. Just once. Just once. Admit fault. And don't just. Oh, God, he drives me crazy. I, I feel like I'm I gonna... must have just ignored all these. Cle- like, before we started doing this segment, like, I just got probably gotten so used to, you know. 15 years of John Harbaugh that like all these like nonsense things he would say I would just like either filter out of my brain or not pay attention to but really when you write them down and spell them out to us Antonio it's really quite astonishing some of the things that comes out of his mouth <laughs> but uh, uh, number one yeah, yeah, number one we think I was gonna wait I, was, I wanted to just let that sort of keep marinating but yeah a final answer please you say it's number one yeah, yeah, yeah. please Please, for the love of God in this podcast, let it be number one. So I don't know how to do... Okay, so... Oh, no. I said I was going to annoy my co-host this week uh, with the games. I've gotten cynical. So I'm just going to come out and say it. Because they both kind of had a sense of it, I can without saying it outright. But, um, little drum roll. They're all real. They're oh, all no! real. They're all Harbaugh quotes. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. It's the only oh, no. time. It's the. It's the only time I'm gonna do it. Uh, they are all no. real. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. And, and and don't don't lean in too far because the other thing I'm gonna add is this was all one quote. Oh, this was no. all what? one answer that he gave. 
and I spliced it into the three different quotes. Oh my god! Took out a few words and half sentences in between, but this was part of one one oh and a half no. minute response that he had uh, to like the problems with the coaching staff and the direction of the offense and all that stuff. And he just he jumped into that whole. That whole thing. I don't know if it's worth reading again. Did somebody give him, like, did somebody wind him up, like a top, and he just kept spinning? He did like, the the beginning of the quote is like, oh, I'm not going to get into that. Woody I'm not going to do that. And the string, like, went to the other side of the room, so it slowly just kept going. What a moron. Oh, my. I'm frustrated beyond words with this man. I can't do this anymore. I can't do it anymore! This game is driving me crazy! <laughs> I'm legitimately shocked by this. This might be the most shocking moment uh, in our show's history. <laughs> it's December football. It's crazy. Did you watch the games? Oh, You did, off. right? It's crazy. No, John, I didn't because you made me miserable. I went Christmas shopping. I hate Christmas shopping. And that's what I did instead of watching a full Sunday of probably the greatest Sunday of the season, and it's your fault! So that was that was Harbaugh quotes. That's pretty magical. That's what's happening to us with this team and this season. I, I don't want to get Tim too mad, and we don't have to delve into him. But he was spitting more fire today. Than oh, he spit so much fire! You want to do it? We can do it. Let me scroll down because I found all of these. When you run the ball, the clock runs. Thanks, John. It's not like we don't know how football works or any of the pool of reporters that have to deal with your bullcrap every single Monday. Don't know that either. But then he acknowledges. When you look back at it, yeah, maybe we could have run it some more. You gotta be effing kidding me with this guy, and it's just, ugh, I'm not, I'm not gonna go on a full diatribe. We we did all the the miserable stuff anyway. Let's talk about how we're not gonna be able to stop the Falcons. <laughs> we will, <laughs> we will get into that. Let's talk, let's talk about the NFL as a whole first, because we watched the games according go to Mister Harbaugh, right? You know what John also said? John Harbaugh said, "quote He will climb the." He will climb behind the barricade with any Lamar Jackson update. Says it is not a competitive advantage to disclose anything. John, this isn't the CIA. Just let us know if the quarterback is playing. What are we doing? What are we doing? It's Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons. You should not be upset. You know what you just say? Lamar's fully active and we're going to run it down their throat. You know who people appreciate that? At least get up there and go, man, I don't know, man. We're going to bite kneecaps and it's going to be a great football team, man. And start tearing up because you're so passionate. At least that guy seems like he gives a... Oh, sorry. Continue, Antonio. My apologies. Yeah, it would be nice to know who the quarterbacks... It would help our, our preview segment mightily. It'd help our gambling section mightily if we had any idea who the quarterback was going to be. Before that, let's talk about the NFL because every other team was in a fun <laughs> game in the NFL this week. I can skip over my note about Sammy Watkins. Uh, I talked about that already, the biggest the biggest headline of the, of the week. All right. In one weekend... Vikings-Colts, 33 points, talked about in the opener. Pats-Raiders, one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> by the Pats! By the Pats of all teams! Bucks-Bengals. Um, Bucks were up 17 nothing in the most frustrating half of football that I've seen for two teams that I'm not... Yeah, I wasn't actively rooting against. Uh, I wasn't even really acting, rooting against the Bengals, but... It was so strange for a first half and then a second half where the Bucks just decided to give the game away. And as soon as the Bengals took a lead at all, it truly felt like the game was over. And it was only like a five-point game. Bills-Dolphins, three points. Lions-Jets, 
three points. The the fighting, biting, gnarling kneecaps, as Tim mentioned, they're seven and seven. Chiefs, Texans. Jace had the tweet of the weekend, in my opinion, uh, and I quote: "The idea of a one ten and two was too beautiful for this world." Jace talking about the Texans' potential record had they tied the Chiefs in the overtime of having one win, ten losses, and two ties. You're right, Jace. It was too beautiful for this world that we just we just couldn't have it. So many good games, uh, so much action. What did you enjoy the most? What was what three hours were the most enjoyable? Oh. Well, Antonio, you didn't even mention uh, what was my initial super exciting. The Jags. Jacksonville Jaguars. Big comeback against the Dallas Cowboys and a walk-off pick six. And you're going, wow, that's crazy. You know, walk-off pick six of Dak Prescott. You know, there's always so much to talk about when the the Cowboys lose uh, in that manner. I mean, I honestly, hand up, did not watch a ton of this game, uh, Vikings-Colts. I had to work on Saturday, so I kind of prepared myself, and it was like, I'm not waking up to watch the first half of this game. And then I saw it was like 33 to nothing, and so I was like, I'm not going to watch this game. And then it was 33 to 14, and I said, well, good for them. And then the next thing you know, it's going to overtime, as you said. Greatest comeback in NFL history, that was crazy. The Saturday night game was great between the Bills uh, and the Dolphins, too, in the snow. That was back and forth. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but for me, I mean, the highlight of the weekend and really what made me, I mean, even that Lions game you mentioned, that was a fourth down touchdown, but yeah, the real highlight and what I I think salvaged the, not only like, like the entire weekend for me, uh, in many ways, because I was very annoyed at that Bengals game, as you said, uh, for those who don't know the, the Buccaneers, uh, 17 to three halftime lead. Let's see how many series in a row. One, two, three, four, <laughs> five straight series. They turned the ball over uh, in uh, their own territory to set up the Bengals scores. So, of course, this, you know, you're like, oh, maybe the Ravens will, they come in this game after losing 13-3, to three, you say, maybe maybe they'll get a solid from Tom Brady. He'll beat Burrow and the Bengals, and they look great in the first half, and then they just, it all falls apart. And you, It's so confounding. So that annoyed me again after I was riding high after the end of that Vikings uh, or uh, Jags Cowboys game and a bunch of great games in the early slate. But then there was a, t- a two prefer in the late window. Justin Herbert had an insane throw uh, to set up a game winner uh, against the Titans. And then nearly simultaneously, like just seconds later, is the craziest ending I've ever seen in a football game, I think, which is what salvages this whole weekend for me. And you said it's by the Patriots. Jacoby Myers taking a pitch from Ramondre Stevenson after a draw play. They're clearly playing for overtime. It's a tie game. Draw play. He gets some good yards on it. He pitches it, I guess, thinking, like, maybe we can score here. Jacoby Myers loses his mind. I think... One of us can score. (laughs) He... The only way this makes sense to me is if he thought they were losing. And I didn't watch all the quotes, but for those who didn't see, he throws it backwards... Towards Mac Jones, perhaps the most unathletic quarterback in the league, as we saw just minutes before uh, when he gained about one yard on a third and 11 bootleg uh, and was chased down by Max Crosby. Um, Chandler Jones plucks it out of the air, runs it back. Uh, Patriots lose in regulation. And it was just so stunning to me. And you said, for it to be a Bill Belichick team, most of all, that's that was what was most surprising to me. Like, I yelled out loud, just watching it by myself here in my room. I just screamed at the TV. I just was like, ah, like, at the TV. Like, I couldn't control myself. I was 
so stunned by it and I didn't even like process it. So that was magical. I mean, that those kinds of plays, this is like why you watch games, right? When your favorite team's not involved, you just want madness. You want something crazy, something you've never seen before. And that checked all the boxes, uh, and was great and i didn't even think about chandler jones used to play for the patriots that was like not even a thing i remembered in the moment and he kind of got unceremoniously traded to the cardinals by them uh so it was just it was it was the most incredible finish of the weekend and certainly the most stunning and i think probably it's gonna be i think one of the kind of indelible like we'll see that play again (laughs) i'm sure in the years to come Yeah, for every Patriots fan that wants to mock the Jets fans for the butt fumble, uh, you have a play that is (laughs) so much worse, so much worse, so much worse. Um, As I as I mentioned in my mini tirade uh, earlier, talking about Mr. Harbaugh, uh, the Ravens left me devoid of wanting to watch any football this weekend, including uh, Dolphins Bills. I was napping during that. uh, Blame the the maybe copious amounts of beers while trying to stress through this Ravens game during a during a family Christmas party. Um, and then Sunday, you know, I, it is, tis the season, had to go out and do some holiday shopping, was kind of keeping tabs as we went, uh, ended up stopping for some lunch uh, at a just a wonderful Mexican restaurant and watching the end of that Jaguars game. Although great, I will say, uh, now that, you know, FanDuel is here in the great state of Maryland, I w- ate the trash with the Cowboys that morning, so that was pretty upsetting to see that and took the minus four and a half. Um but yeah, I mean, the highlight of the weekend, the highlight of maybe my year is <laughs> Mac Jones getting stiff-armed by Chandler Jones. And again, this we've talked about this on a long time here on Pod Like a Raven. I don't want the Patriots to be bad. I really don't. I just want them to be mediocre and irrelevant and just kind of eh for the rest of time. And you know what they are? With Matt Patricia calling plays and Mac Jones throwing the ball, they're the definition of eh. And so if the Ravens are going to be, uh, at least the Patriots can be uh, as well. Um, yeah. I, I've never seen a brain fart. Maybe Ramondre Stevenson giving him the ball back made him think, oh, crap, we have to go for this. But then Jacoby Myers comes out and basically says, yeah, that was completely on me. Uh, how how Belichick has kind of just turned into Bill Cashin checks <laughs> has been – just remarkable to see and i came up with that one on the spot i'm pretty proud yeah, of that's a good one. uh and so yeah i highlight of the weekend for me the patriots losing in the dumbest way possible and and frankly i wouldn't say making the ravens loss worth it obviously but at least alleviating a, a heavy portion of that pain well and i didn't mean to say it directly helps the ravens playoff odds like uh, we i think we mentioned i mentioned it earlier i'd rather that not be the case though jace at this point like i'd rather just stop that's, doing that's this, fair but, but that that wild play somehow did not only was it fun to watch and laugh at the patriots expense it did directly help my favorite team. So, like, I was cool with that, too. So, it was, it was a big winner all around. And, like, what a, you know, especially to be, like, the last game being played on, uh, the like, the 4 p.m. slate uh, before you hit Sunday Night Football. What a way to cap the day. It was just a great day of football. Great weekend of football outside of our team. <laughs> Saddest team of the week for me. Uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, because they do not have NFL football games at this point. Um, Let's do a quick playoff update. Jace kind of mentioned it a little bit uh, throughout this episode, but the Ravens, currently the top wild card spot. The Dolphins, 8-6. The Chargers, also at 8-6. Those are the three teams at the moment with wild card spots. 
Would not be surprised if it ends exactly like that, but the Patriots and the Jets, one game behind, trying to make up some ground. Then the Jacksonville Jaguars at 6-8, and eight, catching up remarkably quickly to the Tennessee Titans because the Titans keep losing football games. So the Titans now 7-7, seven and seven, first place in the AFC South, and the Jaguars at 6-8, and eight, and I believe... Do the two? Do they still have a game against yes, they each still other? Play. Oh boy! The last week of the season, week eighteen, Titans at Jags. Uh, they've already lost to the Jags once. That was uh, two weeks ago. Titans playing the Texans, then the Cowboys, then the Jags. Let's pull up the Jags schedule. So I have it up. It's it's Jets, Texans, Titans. So. Jags, te- uh, Jags, Jets, kind of an eliminator of sorts, wow. I think, this week. Because uh, either the the Jaguars will kind of fall too far behind to catch the Titans if they fall too back uh, with two to play. They could still win with that head-to-head, obviously. But for the Jets, if the Jets don't win, that kind of, I think, spells the end of the Jets in the, the playoff race in the AFC. Uh, boy, I, two weeks ago, I would have said there was no chance. But looking at it that way, I kind of have a feeling that the Jags may just may just catch them. I'm, I'll spoil this for the gambling section. I'm taking the Jags in that line <laughs> in that game against the Jets. Lawrence has uh, been on fire in like the last month. I think I said, saw he has like 11 touchdowns and one interception in his last four games or something crazy. Like he's been balling out. So it was it's weird. You know, it's kind of what everyone expected of him, right? But it only took a, a year and a half after they hired made perhaps one of the worst coaching hires in NFL history. Uh, with Urban Meyer to sidetrack his development. But it's nice to see, you know, it's unfortunate for the Ravens if he becomes, like, the man, and it's yet another good young quarterback in the AFC they have to continually deal with. But, uh, yeah, uh, good for him, I guess. Wow, so, yeah, if they win that, if they win out, basically, including that last Titans game, they're going to go 9-8 and eight and pretty much almost hit the Titans... It won't even matter, right? The Titans could yeah, at think... seven and seven could win their next two, lose the game to the Jags, fall to nine and eight, and then lose the tiebreaker and end up winning the South. So that will be fascinating. Um, in the NFC, the Eagles and Cowboys have both locked up a playoff spot, the division, and then a wild card respectively. The Vikings eleven and three now with a plus two <laughs> point differential. They have a playoff spot. The 49ers have locked up the West. Somebody's going to have to win the South, uh, <laughs> despite all of their best efforts. Tampa 6-8, and eight, Carolina 5-9, and nine, Saints 5-9, and nine, Falcons 5-9, and nine, and it's very likely going to be a team with a losing record. Uh, Jace, I think, still confident that the Bucks win the South, uh, have a playoff game, host the Cowboys in the playoffs, and then win that, win that game and route to a Super Bowl. Uh, appearance jace have we uh have we lost steam with that a little bit or uh you're just waiting for the postseason the bucks have looked horrible but they do have you know kind of a, an easy finish to the season here cardinals panthers uh falcons panthers is at home both cardinals uh and uh, the panthers on the road or uh, falcons on the road but um yeah i mean i still think the bucks have the inside track of the south as you said someone has to win it but they've looked awful but you know, I, Cardinals might be the most depressing team in the NFL at the moment for both their their near and long-term future with you figure Kyler Murray's probably not going to be healthy enough to start the season next year, unfortunately, tearing his ACL in December. So, 
the Cardinals are in a bad way, and I think a franchise would need a change, and I think the Bucks will take advantage and kind of sew this up as probably as definitely a losing team in the playoffs, but maybe maybe they can avoid being a seven and ten <laughs> playoff team. Maybe they go two and one and finish, you know, eight and nine and win that division. But I think it'd be an embarrassment for the NFL for a seven and ten team to be a division champion. <laughs> Host a home playoff game for us <laughs> against, seven against your marquee franchise, the Dallas Cowboys, like who are essentially locked up. I know, like officially, the Eagles haven't clinched, and there's talk Jalen Hurts actually might miss this week. But it's I, Cowboys have to win out, Eagles have to lose out uh, for the Eagles to not win the division. So yeah, seems like Cowboys are locked in the four, Eagles are locked into the one more or less, and uh, yeah, everything else is gonna shake out however i guess maybe well, the jace lines... jace with a uh, freudian slip cowboys locked into the five not the four because the bucks have to be the four with their stupid ass team yeah you're, you're, that's that's right <laughs> two uh, spots left up for grabs in the nfc uh currently taken by the giants and the commanders giants eight five and one commanders seven six and one with both this well i should say the seattle seahawks sort of fading and the Detroit Lions coming up strong at seven and seven. I'm gonna assume, Tim, you uh, you're gonna have the Lions grabbing grabbing one of these spots with three games to play. They go at Panthers, home to the Bears, at Packers. Gonna be favored in all three, or at least two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we record, the Packers are feasting on Baker Mayfield, which is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, why? I, yeah, why not? I'm picking the Lions, and and it's a heart pick. It's fully a heart pick. It's a heart pick because I think the Lions would be a fun story. It's a heart pick because I think it's a fun redemption story for Jared Goff. It's a, a heart pick because I love Dan Campbell and what he stands for is kind of an old school football guy. And it's a heart pick because the Carolina Panthers can shove it. I cannot stand that team. They, they make no sense. Every time you're on them, they, they don't show up this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mitch Trubisky. Every time you think that they're down and out, they go and win a stupid game and people want to be high on them. It might be because I listened to too much Bill Simmons and that guy has been on the Panthers all year and it annoys the crap out of me. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's a heart pick for a number of reasons. But yeah, why not? Give me the Lions. Who wants both the Giants and the Commanders? Pick one of those two. Probably the Giants now after their win on Sunday night and then the, put the Lions in the playoffs. How fun would that be? Yeah, the Seahawks play the Chiefs this week and then the Jets, so they definitely have kind of the harder path. I like the Lions' chances. The Commanders play the 49ers this week. Then the Browns, who I don't think are an easy out. Like, the Browns are fine. They're a good team, as we just <laughs> saw ourselves. And uh, and then the Cowboys, which that game might not mean anything for the Cowboys. What's going to be annoying is this stupid tie for the Commanders is going to give them an, uh, a, like, half percentage, win percentage advantage since a, a tie is half a win, they're going to have, like, every tiebreaker over the Seahawks and Lions. Uh, so there's still a good chance they end up with the seven, but I hope I hope they pick up a loss or two. No offense to my Commanders fans' friends out there. I, I just don't need to watch Taylor Heineke in the playoffs, really. You know, he's got the worst arm in the league. I like a lot about him, but... He's so gutsy, Jason. He's yeah, so gutsy. and I like that. He, 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 he cares, and he tries, and it's fun, but he's got a weak arm <laughs> that's okay <laughs> but, uh but yeah give me give me you know not that i guess jared Goff's that much more exciting but the lions almost never make the playoffs let the lions in they haven't made the playoffs in like six seven years so let the lions make the playoffs all right uh enough fun let's preview ravens falcons <laughs> the ravens at home 
Saturday afternoon. Favored by seven points. Seven? <laughs> Can they score seven? This tells me that Vegas knows so much more than probably Harbaugh even knows that Lamar Jackson is healthy enough, <laughs> will be starting in this game. So we turn to the Ravens' offense against the Falcons' defense. What do we get from this offense? Do we run it 40 times? Is that enough? Will Roman ever again run it 40 times, uh, even if it's proving to be the best scenario for them? Will we see some, gosh, some magic from Lamar Jackson that we haven't seen in months? Will he even play, in your guys' opinion? Uh, And what can this offense get out to win this football game? No opinion on if Lamar plays or not. And listen to the beginning of this podcast. I have no faith in the the run game. Greg Roman, or excuse me, I have no faith in the offense. I have faith in the run game. Greg Roman ain't going to use it. It's going to be a slog. Yeah, I'm thinking it's another slog. Falcons 21st against the run, but as we've talked about. So we'll run it 15 times probably. (laughs) Yeah, that only I feel like that fear is just exasperated if Lamar actually plays because he'll be like, Lamar's back, time to throw those screens we've been working on and then they'll like get picked off on a screen somehow or something. And uh, yeah, I I just, it's hard to have any, you know, real faith in anything the Ravens are doing on offense. We've <laughs> talked about their their point totals since the bye have been frankly putrid, but I do think personally Lamar will be back, I guess. It, it got floated to Adam Schefter that they were targeting this week for his return. But I don't know. The, again, we talked about, I think, last week, two weeks ago, when Lamar first got hurt, that when he got hurt last year, they said it was like a day-to-day, week-to-week injury that turned into him missing four games. So if this is a knee sprain, which seems worse than, like, a bone bruise, which is what last year's injury was, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I'm super optimistic, I believe, that he'll be back. But that was what was floated to Adam Schefter, and, you know, he has people who know things send him information uh, to publish on their behalf uh so someone thinks lamar is coming back uh, on christmas uh christmas eve uh and so i guess i just uh, i kind of think he'll be there certainly as you said the line suggests that vegas thinks he's going to be there because tyler huntley would not be a seven point favorite otherwise yeah i do think brother i've gone back and forth at this game <laughs> 18 18 times in like the day and a half that I've been looking at it. The Falcons 1 and 6 on the road, they're 5 and 9 on the year. Defensively they've been okay. I guess they've they played three weak opponents the last three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, whatever it's been. Their last five opponents have been Panthers, Bears, Commanders, Steelers, Saints. And they've gone 1 and 4 against that slate. Uh they're not a convincing football team. If Lamar Jackson plays and they can run the ball 30 times and he's able to make half the throws, or I should say, not half the throws, twice as many throws as Huntley has made from two to four, you know, throws that go past the sticks, I think that'll be enough for the team to put some points up. I like them playing at home offensively. Like, there's no... The crowd won't be a factor. They hopefully will be getting out of the huddle with time on the clock. But to something Tim said earlier that I was thinking about, like, what if the offense is 
bad. Like, we've hit a point where, like, they might turn on them hard in this game. If, like, the offense is what it's been and Lamar's back and they score three points, I could see fire Roman chance. I could see copious amounts of booing. I think it certainly seems like the fan base has hit a breaking point in several I was at I was at that Panthers game, and, like, it wasn't even as bad. I mean, it was a bad game, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't as bad as it's been right now. And, yeah, this fan base is not taking any more crap. If it's, if it's first quarter and it's no points and, you know, three punts by Jordan Stout or whatever, you're, it's going to get nasty in that place very quickly. Let's turn defensively where things, I think we're all confident, will go uh, fairly well. The, Raven, uh, the Ravens, the Falcons with the rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter, making his second start. His first start, not great against a very mediocre Saints team jace is going to give us uh, some some stats there but it's the same thing that we always talk about rookie quarterback going against the ravens typically does not do well you add that to the fact of just how good this ravens defense has looked you add that to the fact that they are playing in baltimore i think we're looking at i'll, I'll, I'll tease one stat jace i think we're looking at another game where ritter has less than 100 passing yards and that very much being in play uh, what did you see from him in his first start? Yeah, they, I mean, they, to, I guess the same, I do think Arthur Smith's a good coach, and they had a chance to win this game, or at least tie the game. They're moving the ball late when Jake uh, Drake London kind of just throws the ball up after a nice fourth down conversion. Uh, maybe it got punched out, but it certainly seemed a weird fumble. But, uh, but outside of that, though, that was a nice throw for Ritter. But on the whole, 13 for 26. So that's, you know, I'm no math major, but that's 50%. Uh, and he has 97 yards. He's sacked four times. Uh, he can move a little bit, but he only had 38 yards, six attempts. It was just an unimpressive showing. And the history of the Ravens versus rookie QBs suggests they should keep him under wraps, uh, even without Marcus Peters. I'm not really concerned. Like I mentioned, Drake London, he's about it in terms of weapons for them. <laughs> Catching the ball, Kyle Pitts is probably out. He's been out for like a month. He hasn't played uh, since November 20th, and I would doubt the Falcons bring him back at this point. Like, why kind of bother? But um, so I don't think the Peters loss will be felt too much. Obviously, the Falcons uh, actually have a worse passing offense than the Ravens. Uh, they come in 31st in the NFL and pass yards per game. They weren't passing it with Mariota, and I think they're going to pass it uh, even less now. They run the ball a ton, though. They're third in the NFL in running yards, uh, rush yards per game, just behind the Ravens. So that's if I have a concern with, when it comes to the Ravens' offense, it's just I think possessions are going to be limited in this game because both teams are probably going to try to run, uh, and so you do have to take advantage of your opportunities because this might be a very low-possession game uh, in terms of just total possessions. See, but uh, that's interesting to me, Jace, because – for the Ravens running the ball, it's our strength against the Falcons' weakness. You mentioned the Falcons being, what, 19th uh, against the 21st. run? 21st against the run defensively. But when you flip it, it's the Falcons' strength against the Ravens' strength. So, like, let that kind of balance and, you know, kind of negate each other. I have confidence in this Ravens' D against any rushing team. Yeah. Give me Derrick Henry at this point, and I'm going to feel pretty confident, even without Calais Campbell. Like, there's just depth there. That's where they want you to go. Let them run it 30, 40 times, and it's going to take them, like, death by a thousand cuts, but it'll be, like, paper cut by a thousand cuts. Like, let that be their game plan when our weakness is the corner spot, especially if Peters isn't playing this game. The matchups, it just seems to kind of fit nicely, and that's where I'm kind of toying with the idea of taking the Ravens to win a game by a touchdown. But 
even with the, the running game being the strength of the Falcons, if they can't throw it, we're going to load up the box. We're going to have a lot of guys in there, and it is going to be tough sledding, kind of similar to how that Panthers game went. We knew Carolina wanted to run it all day. That was their strength. They didn't do it at all, and they scored three points in that game in Baltimore. No, I, I agree 100%. As you said, stat-wise, Ravens third. I'm a little concerned, at least, Antonio, just with the probable absence of Calais Campbell, it seems like, just because he has been such a linchpin for them the last several years. And games he's missed in, like, the last two or three years seem to be the ones they get run on the most. And I do think the Falcons are creative, too, with their run. But but I, on the whole, I, I agree with you. I think with a rookie quarterback, they're just not going to be able to, to take advantage of it enough and run well enough. Um to, they shouldn't be able to run well enough to beat them. Uh, I'll say that. I, I, it's hard to guarantee anything with the Ravens, but I do. I am pretty comfortable that uh, I think it'll be a pretty solid defensive performance. And I, who knows? Maybe with Calais Campbell out, do we see David Ajabo? Does he exist? Is he real? Uh, does he get on the field? I don't know. Uh, it'd be nice to see. I don't. I don't think he got on the field. I didn't see any real mention about him, but. Uh, he got on the field once on defense, and then like four special teams plays was, was well, where good he was for at. Him. <laughs> I'll just jump on this quickly because we can wrap this up. Um, yeah, I think Campbell's a much bigger miss than all of you are saying, especially against a guy like Arthur Smith, who was in that Greg Roman category of really play, knowing how to scheme running attacks. I think there's going to be a lot on the young guys, Travis Jones, Project Washington, Justin Matabike, to kind of step up in the – expected absence of the leader on that defensive line if they can win that battle the defense should do their job and lose this game six to three uh but if they don't do their their job it's going to be more of like a 21 to three 21 i thought you're going to say like 13 to three loss no uh, sure 13 whatever The, the offense is going to score three they suck um any intangibles anything else to bring up the the bounce back tucker game the the sixth field goal Tucker game here or uh, defense scoring points. Maybe we get a touchdown defensively uh, as opposed to offensively. Any final thoughts for me? It's just if Lamar comes back, I think there's going to be a buzz in in the stadium. Um, And it's like a miniature get right game for the team. And by that, I mean crack 20 points. (laughs) No more than that. And if they do, I think they end up winning this game uh, comfortably with how the running game has looked now four weeks, even with the loss uh, to the Browns. We know the running game has been strong. Just continue that. Get a couple of throws uh, from Lamar, and, and that's enough offensively. But anything else from this game before we get to the picks? Uh, the only guy I want to shout out is J.K. Dobbins. We've mentioned him throughout, but I will say back-to-back 100-yard games uh, after his return has been pretty big, and, and this will be his first game you know, back-back since he returned the second time uh, at home. So that'll be, I, it, he should get a nice reception, I hope. And hopefully have a good game that the fans can cheer about. He's He's been impressive. Uh, yeah, just pound the run. Like him, he's been great. Gus, I thought, looked fine. He's looked like Gus. Uh, I think Gus looks better than JK, honestly, in terms of like how they run. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess if JK can shoulder the load, give, give him the ball. He seems to want it. So, uh, yeah. I, I I agree with you. I think the Ravens will win. Um, I don't know. Do we want to just dive right into the pick? The Ravens will not cover this game. I believe I have vision. I have visions of a seventeen fourteen <laughs> victory uh, where they that you know it's it's a late Falcons cover maybe or or it's an annoying tied game where Tucker 
hits like a 30 yard field goal late and they hold it off. Um, I, I just think seven is, is too much. Lamar, if he's back, he's going to be rusty. We know this um, about him. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just don't have a ton of confidence in the Ravens. And, you know, I, I picked against them last week because I was just skeptical of their ability to win on the road in a tough spot with a backup quarterback, no matter which one it was. I do think they win this game. But it just seven is, I think, just a bridge too far gambling-wise for what we've seen from this team for the better part of you know a month. Yeah, I'll just I'll just run through mine here. It's Falcons plus seven. I literally just went on to FanDuel, uh, no free ads, and put it in <laughs> myself. Uh, there's no way the Ravens cover. We've said this all year, even with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens should not be a touchdown favorite over anybody, over anybody. We've we we've watched this game. We've watched this team enough this season. Like. Don't fall for the get-right game trap. It's not going to happen. Maybe they win. They don't cover. They never do. Uh, and then in terms of the other games here, call it a spite bet. I have the Saints plus three away to the Browns. I just think the Browns are a bad football team. The Saints are a bad football team. That's going to be an ugly one-point game. And so give me the points on that one. And then, I don't know if you saw the news. It looks like Jalen Hurts might not play against the Cowboys. That being said, the line has moved now. To Cowboys minus six at, at all your favorite sports books. I'm taking Gardner Minshew and the most talented team in the National Football League to at the very least cover against a bad Eagles team or a bad Cowboys team. Like, not a bad Cowboys team, a Cowboys team that is not the Super Bowl contender, that has finally had the Cowboys moment, has fallen on their face. I know they need this game pretty badly, or I guess they don't really need it now that they're locked into the five. So give me Eagles plus six away to the Cowboys in a tough divisional game. This is uh, Gardner Minshew uh, becomes a starter for another team next year game. Absolutely. <laughs> like Matt Flynn. So, so poised in the pocket <laughs> yeah, when the uh, rest of the roster is all pros. Yeah. Antonio, you want me to rip through my, my last Go two? For it. So Go I, for I, it. as I said, I'm taking the Falcons. Um, I'm taking the Seahawks plus nine and a half at the Chiefs. The Chiefs do not like to cover games, uh, but they will win this game <laughs> because that's what the Chiefs do. Uh, but nine and a half seems like a lot. You know, the Seahawks defense hasn't been great lately. It's kind of uh, they were playing pretty well for a few, like for a month or so. It's kind of fallen apart in the last little bit. And you know, G- Gino's not going to win a shootout with Patrick Mahomes, but I think the Seahawks are still talented. I think they're a good team. Not a great team, but I think they could. I feel like nine and a half is a little disrespectful for a team that's kind of, you know, a seven and seven team on the road and they're nine and a half point underdogs. That's kind of a lot against a team that, as we said, hates to cover games. Uh, (laughs) And then my final pick um, is the Raiders plus two and a half at the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, on Saturday. This is a Saturday night game. Um, and the reason I'm picking the Raiders is because I think they're a better team than the Steelers. I know their records are the exact same, and the Raiders can be very volatile week to week. Mike Tomlin uh, is somehow 2-5 and five against the Raiders in his career. He, they just don't beat them, and they lost to them last season. So, uh, you know, I'm picking the Raiders. It's going to be a very insufferable game. For those who don't know, uh, the Immaculate Reception will have occurred 50 years ago on December 23rd. Yeah. Uh, and this game will be played on December 24th. And it's all they're going to talk about because the game itself is going to be awful, probably, as most Steelers games are. Uh, whether their quarterback's Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph or uh, Kenny Pickett's back. It's going to stink. So, you know, cover your eyes while you're watching that broadcast. It's going to be insufferable. But uh, 
But the pick is the Raiders plus two and a half on the road. I like it. All right. I went two or one and two last week. 27 and 21 on the season. Looking to make it 30 and 21 on the season after this this week. And I'm going to do my other two picks first. I'm taking the Bengals minus three and a half at the Patriots. The Bengals, I'm just assuming they give us they do us no favors. That's really what this has been. <laughs> Picked them last week on the road, minus three and a half against the Bucks. They took care of business there. They're much better than the New England Patriots. Um, I don't care that the game is in New England. They're a, a double-digit win football team. They've won, I think, six in a row at this point, if not seven. They're going to win this by probably double digits uh, when it's all said and done. I like that game a lot. And then I'm taking this one. I'm, I'm kind of, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm taking the Jags plus one in New York. That's Thursday night. That game is in two days. So you got to pay attention to this pick uh, if you're interested in it. But I think Jags are that like fun end of the year team that is going to make a legitimate push to win the, uh, the South. And this is the one that they have circled. If they win this one, they're going to love where they're at because they will then know that they can have that game against the Titans week 18 uh, to try to steal the division. I think they take care of the Jets here. I think they outscore them. Um, and I know that sounds like the like most ridiculous thing, but what I mean by that is the, ja- the Jags offense just has too much compared to the Jets offense when both of them are working at peak efficiency, uh, and I think they end up pulling away. And then my third pick. And I'm going, I'm going against the grain here. I'm going against the fellas. It is a, in gigantic letters, if Lamar Jackson starts. I'm not touching this game with a 10-foot pole if we have to watch Huntley throw another three-yard pass on third and eight. If Lamar Jackson is back in this lineup, I'm taking the Ravens minus seven. Atlanta Falcons, here is their point totals the last six weeks. 17 points, 15 points, 27 points against the Bears, they returned a kick for a touchdown in that game. Uh, the offense only scored 20. They scored 13 against the Commanders. They scored 16 against the Steelers. They scored 18 against the Saints. The Ravens' defense is miles better than any of those teams. Their le- legitimate chance to give up six points in this game, three points in this game, I feel. Lamar Jackson makes enough plays downfield, gets Mark Andrews involved. The running game is just what it has been for the last several weeks. And we get like a 20 to 9, 17 to 6 type game, and the Ravens somehow cover the seven point line and get back uh, to winning ways. I'm taking the Ravens, minus seven, uh, and we will see what happens on Saturday. <laughs> Last thing to do oh, to answer the random <laughs> Raven. Uh, I tricked you guys up with the Harbaugh quotes. I promise this is an actual player. I'm not going to say, like, oh, I made it up. This isn't a real guy. Uh, this <laughs> this random Raven only played one season in Baltimore, and it wasn't even a full season. The third-round pick out of Wake Forest was originally drafted by the St. Louis Rams in 2012 and had a strong rookie season with 700 receiving yards and three touchdowns. He would then have back-to-back mediocre years and three games into the 2015 season was traded to the Ravens for a seventh-round pick. This random Raven would then play 12 games in Baltimore, starting six for the 5-11 and 11 team, catching 19 passes for 346 yards and one touchdown. He wore the number 13 
and the bonus clue. I'm just going initials. I feel like this is the, the, the easiest way to go. This player's initials were C G. <laughs> that still doesn't help me. <laughs> Didn't help a lick. I'm going to give another five seconds Chris? of uh, stalling air time. <laughs> is, I don't know. Is there a man named Chris Gordon that exists? Is that... You're, you're getting there, Jace, because you got the first name right. Yeah, there's only so many male C names. That's... <laughs> uh, Chris. Chris G. Really g- nailed it. Really good stuff. No, all right. Chris this, Greer. This random raven. Chris Givens. <laughs> nothing this man started multiple games (laughs) started six games for the ravens in 2015 i legitimately have never heard that name in my life Uh, not once oh he was in my uh bank of guys he had he had 20 receptions on 54 targets oh my god oh my god 54 targets in a a season where he only started six games so upsetting what a that's now yeah. we should say for all the complaining we did today, the season, it the Ravens are in a better place today. <laughs> They're going to the playoffs than they were in 2015. <laughs> that was that's truly. I know they had some really bad seasons when they first arrived from Cleveland. Uh, obviously, in the 90s didn't really watch then. I, I was too young. But 2015 uh, is the lowest the lowest point in franchise history for my money. I know 20, 2007 wasn't great. The loss to Miami that some people might say that was the lowest. Nah, 2015, that's the low point for me. There's nothing to cheer for then. <laughs> uh, so this name originally came from the Kick 6 game. Yes. Uh, I pulled up the box score for that game a couple of days ago. Because <laughs> in the highlights that I was watching, there were receivers that I had never... And I had heard of Chris Givens, at least. <laughs> but uh, a Jeremy Butler was very much involved. <laughs> Uh, Daniel Brown, he got a target. I don't know who he is. Uh, and we had a baby Nick Boyle uh, with <laughs> one reception for 10 yards. The beginning the beginning of something great uh, with Nick Boyle there. But yeah, Chris Givens is the random raven. Correct if me you, up. the listener, if any listener got it, let us know somehow. And you will get a, you will get a personal shout-out on the next episode. Correct me if I'm wrong, Antonio. Matt Schaub, the starter for that kick-six game. Uh, yeah, he had two picks. He yeah. had two interceptions. I remember he game. threw a pick-six in that game. <laughs> uh, and the Browns... The only thing matched matching uh, Matt Schaub as the quarterback was that the Browns went Josh McCown, Austin Davis uh, late late in that game. Austin Davis. What not, had, not had much of an NFL career. This might be the deepest cut, I feel like, Random Raven, or close to it. This is this is on the short list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. That's going to do it for us. It was a tough week. It was a weird Saturday game, uh, an ugly game. Everything else was fun. The Ravens were not. <laughs> may, may the magic continue. Uh, for Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you, as always, for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you sometime in the middle of next week. Happy holidays.
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.